You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journey here at UVic. All right, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host today, Liz MacArthur, and joining me in the studio is David Foley, who's doing his master's in music composition here at UVic. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this because I uh, I took music lessons all my life and stuff. So for me, talking to someone who's actually composing music um, is really an interesting topic. And uh, and I kind of want to know how how you wound up here. I I assume that you are a musician. And then um, Mm -hmm. what brought you to composition specifically? When I was applying to my undergrad, I I played classical guitar. Mm -hmm. So that was the instrument I learned on. Um, And when I applied to do my undergrad in music I uh, I'd been fiddling around with writing my own stuff on when, which always happens whenever you learn an instrument you end up wanting to do your own thing on it um, and when you do your undergrad there's a couple of specializations you can do like performance or uh, focus on music history or music, music education and composition just appealed to me for some reason, and I thought, why don't I just go with that and see what happens? And I really enjoyed it, and I really took to it. So when I reached the end of my undergrad, I wanted to keep going with that. And that's sort of how I ended up in my in my master's doing it. Yeah. Uh, did you just go straight through then after your undergrad, straight into your yeah, master's program? Yeah, I mm-hmm. didn't take a break, no. Mm-hmm. And are you composing specifically for your instrument then, or are you composing for all kinds of instruments? No, I actually rarely write for guitar. One of the funny things I found for a long time actually was writing for my instrument was difficult because I knew it so well, and I knew uh, other pieces uh for that instrument that every time i picked up the guitar and tried to play something i'd be like oh that sounds like something else you know and i just knew other music for the instrument too well Mm. and one of the things that uh sort of is the point of a composition degree is to teach you how to be able to write for any instrument so that you're given an instrument you're given you know it can play this is the lowest note it can play. This is the highest note it can play. It sounds good when it plays the you know within this range, um, and that's that's a lot of what I've I've learned through the composition degree, um, especially in, in the masters is really refining that technique, being able to just write for any instrument I'm given. Hmm. Do you have to write in different styles as well, or is it all about um, discovering your own style? Yeah, it's it's a lot more about yeah, uh, uh, finding your own style. Uh, a lot of the time what the teachers will do, because I have co- what composition lessons, so I'll sit down with uh, one of the composers here. So my teacher now is Christopher Butterfield, and I'll sit down with him and he'll, I'll show him what I've, what I've done, what I'm working on, and he'll sort of guide me. You, he'll point out, say, technical things that it, that I've written down, like this instrument can't play that, or mm. it won't sound that good here. Why don't you try this? And but they're very, in general, teachers can, are very hands off in terms of uh, your style, just because that's it's sort of your choice how you choose to express it. They the only thing they're really hands on about is technique. So, mm. as I said before, learning how to write for a bunch of other instruments. And it's good that way because it gives you, you know, enough space to 
uh, find your own voice, which is really important mm -hmm. in this because there's just so many composers out there. I guess people who aren't terribly familiar with modern classical music wouldn't know that, but there is an extremely competitive field. There's a lot of people doing mm -hmm. a lot of really interesting things, and you ha the only way you're going to survive is if you can do your own thing and do it as well as you can. Mm -hmm. And that's what the teachers try to bring to the program. How long is the master's program in music composition? It's two years. What? So, well, five terms. Okay. So I guess that's four months short of two years. And, um, and how far along are you at this point? Um, I'm in my fourth semester. Next semester is my last semester. Oh, wow. And what do you have to um, present? Is there a thesis that you yeah. have to write? Do you have to defend? What do you defend? Yeah. I, uh, what the thesis is, is a large-scale project. And uh, normally what this is, is I write a piece that is sort of of a more substantial nature. So it's for... Uh, you know, nine or more instruments, and it's generally between 20 and 25 minutes. Hmm. So there's some leeway there, like people sort of have their own ideas of what they want to do for a project. Like my fellow uh, classmate in the same year as me in this master's composition is doing an installation. J uh, hmm. Her name's Janet Sit. She's doing an installation piece, um, which won't have a fixed length. It'll just be sort of set up in a ga art gallery and people will walk in and hmm. there will be, uh, you know, speakers set up and that kind of thing. But yeah, what, what you, what the project generally is, is you write a large scale piece that you've r done a lot of research into and that you s spend most of this, these final two terms working on preparing. And then you write uh, a short paper along with it, like, hmm. 25 or 30 pages about your piece and about how you view it in a historical context. Interesting. Yeah. So what's your piece about? Um, I've been working on it a lot this term, and <laughs> it's been a little bit of a difficult term because I got into a lot of writer's block, mm -hmm. and the concept of the piece kept changing and refining and... Uh, so I, would, I don't have the clearest explanation of it right now, but basically it's, um, it's for nine instruments, three pianos, three singers, and three percussion players. And the whole idea of the piece has to do with how things get, how meaning gets distorted or completely lost in translation. Hmm. And so the three singers are singing in three different languages, uh, English, French, and then a compilation of French and English words, just kind of mixed syllables. Um, and they're all singing in those three languages at the same time. So it's, hmm. and each, each text, I'm, I'm using sort of compiled texts, um, each have vaguely, uh, each text has the, has the same general idea behind it but it's presented differently it's presented idiomatically in that language hmm. and so what are the texts that you're using are they uh, were they pre-existing or have you written them yeah um the the like for example the english one 
I was taking um, excerpts from the uh, King James Bible mm. and uh, sort of chopping it up, chopping up the the verses and rearranging them. Um, and then the French one, what I was doing was going through, and then you know certain words and phrases that would come up in the in the English text, I would look up in a French dictionary. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of French idiomatic phrases. So what I do is I, I look up these certain words and find idiomatic phrases that use a word similar to this mm-hmm. and then build a text out of that. And then the French and English one is sort of a, a composite of those two. Mm. Um, but you again using not the exact same words, but synonyms oh, yeah. of those words. And so three singers will be singing this in the three different languages yeah. at, at the same time. Yeah. And then uh, the with, like, I guess, piano and percussion accompaniment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of what I've been interested in in the past, it, while I've been in my master's, is um, sort of this idea of there's nine instruments playing together, but they're all playing as one sort of instrument. They're they're all intricately connected mm-hmm. in that they all, um, you know, one sound a sound comes from a percussionist and travels to the piano. Mm-hmm. They're not. Um, it's not like we hear the percussionist, we hear the piano, you know, and they're very separate elements. They're just. It's almost as if, yeah, they're one big instrument. Right. So that affects, I guess, the way that you're writing yeah. both pieces or both parts? Yeah, yeah, because the translation uh, kind of jumps. There's translations between the languages that are imperfect. Then there's the translation between uh, the instruments, which is, again, by nature imperfect. You can't replicate the sound of a voice on a piano perfectly. Mm-hmm. You can try, but... Um, and also the then there's the whole idea of trying to translate however abstract it becomes translating the meaning of the text or what arises out of this text into musical language mm-hmm. which is another thing this piece is uh, I'm dealing a lot with while writing this piece is how do you have a musical representation of textual meaning how do you kind of mediate those two have one thing represent another because it's sort of it's subjective it depends on who's you know when you play a certain piece of music for one person it's it's going to mean something completely different than if you play it for another person Mm -hmm. you know entirely based on the context or their history or uh, just what they were feeling at that moment and so it's, I'm not really aiming to find any big answers or um, some kind of, you know, way to perfectly translate text into music. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm playing around with that and seeing what happens when I, uh, when I at least attempt to do that in some way. Mm-hmm. Where does this interest come for you, come from for you? Um, well, with the text, a lot of it is literature. I did my un- in my undergrad. I did a minor in English, 
and I I've always been really loved reading is like especially fiction um, novels especially um, I was actually considering doing my undergrad in English before I went to music um, and so the uh, I've written a couple of pieces that have re- heavily rely on the text mm-hmm. that have text as a big part of them mm-hmm. um, I I've written two sort of, uh, I suppose you could call them mini operas. They're, they're stage works, mm-hmm. you know, they like operas, but they they each only last. I th- one's twenty five minutes and the other one's half an hour. Um, so I have sort of a history of. I, I came to music with the uh, with the love of literature and text. So those two things have sort of always been. Um, you know, uh, one, uh, I've always had those two things, and it's sort of when I wrote those mini operas, that was one of the first times I was really engaging with, you know, uh, creating a text and seeing how I could represent it musically, um, and it's sort of a relationship that I've always been interested in, hmm. um, and it makes it makes sense to me now for this you know, final master's project to be looking at that again after having not done it for a while. Yeah. And so when it comes time uh, to present it, yeah. uh, what is your role when it comes to the performance of it? Uh, <laughs> my role is to find players. So what it's actually sort of interesting how it works out because uh, what I do is I write the piece um I'm I'm just I'm going to be finishing it up over the Christmas break and then starting next term I find people to play it. And all these people will be or will more than likely be volunteers who are students in the school of music and these will often be performance majors, people mm. who you know practice all the time who can sort of take on projects as big as these to perform. Um and yeah, it's my it's my responsibility to find these players to make sure they're invested in the project and to make sure um, that I get them to rehearse together. I, I arrange times for them to meet, and I'm there to kind of guide them through the work as they're mm-hmm. as they're playing with a piece like this. Um, I will probably have a conductor because it's a larger group of instruments, mm-hmm. so they will that conductor would probably take more take on the responsibilities of uh you know the technical aspect of things of make sure everyone's playing together make sure they're all playing in tune and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. um but my role is not it's sort of it sort of becomes up to the players at that point when I, you know, I hand the score to them and it's, okay, it's up to you now. And what I was saying before, it's interesting because this kind of reflects what uh, professional composers end up having to do in the real world Mm -hmm. is uh, if either when you write a piece, you're either writing it for a specific group of players and you will still need to do these things like get rehearsals together, go to them, guide them through the piece, make sure everything's going smoothly. Or 
you will have to get the players together yourself, which is even more difficult when you get outside of school because then you're, uh, well, players are, you can't just hop over to the music building. You have to mm-hmm. phone people up and then you have to get into, you know, they're very busy with their schedules and you have to pay them and mm-hmm. it gets very, so it's it's kind of an interesting way. When I tell people, they they sort of say, well, wouldn't the, wouldn't your professors help you out with that? And in a way, it makes more sense for them not to help me out with that because it's a, they will, you know, if in emergency cases and yeah. and things, it's not like they're, but it's good training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of the actual yeah. guess, practical aspect of yeah. doing this. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the idea is that once you're done, you do want to be doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. the, yeah, that, you know, these are the type of things that, you're going to be doing these mm-hmm. are the type of struggles you're going to be facing and uh best to be facing those struggles for the first time in a safer environment like the university mm-hmm. rather than you know out in the big bad world yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah. with paychecks and things like that yeah online. yeah and unions and <laughs> yeah. et cetera. yeah is it difficult after you've um composed the piece then yeah. i've been interviewing quite a few um visual artists lately mm-hmm. and they they uh talk about you know they're expressing ideas through painting or sculpture yeah. or things like that um but you have an idea and you compose something but the actual way that it's carried out is through other people yeah. is it difficult to give it to other people oh, and yeah. have them express it oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. how it, do you deal with that like what if if somebody is doing it in a way that you think is totally wrong are there boundaries can you just step in and say like no you- yeah uh you know um, that's yeah. That's one of the. There's. Uh, I find there's a lot more parallels between, say, visual arts and composition than most people think. Like, yeah, it's. I like that idea of you know you're expressing your ideas through a medium, and the medium is music, and you know, yeah, up until the point where you give it to the player, it's the same thing. I'm writing on paper, so my ideas are being expressed through mm-hmm. the language of music onto a piece of paper. But yeah. When so, <laughs> I I suppose I can say I always have that piece of paper. You know, right. that's that's the one kind of if everything else goes terrible, I always have that one piece of paper, and I can always say, okay, well maybe someday, right? Someone <laughs> I'll find someone who can you know realize it perfectly. But what m- happens most of the time is that uh, people who agree to do. To, to perform these pieces are often very um, th- they're agreeing for a reason and the reason is that they're understanding musicians who have, will have respect for your work and will ask you questions about it and if you say uh, no that's not the kind of idea I had here um, it's they won't say no you're wrong type you know they will they will respect your opinion a lot of the time um if there is uh, some kind of miscommunication, then that's a uh, that's sort of on my end. Hmm. That's something that I haven't conveyed properly in the score. And so sometimes players will say that. They'll say, well, if you wanted that, you should have said this right. in the score. Um, so I saw, uh, the idea is sort of, if you are clear enough, if you're... Um, if you have a good enough presentation of your idea on the paper, then the performance shouldn't be a problem. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I guess that's that's the, the yeah the easy the, answer. Yeah. <laughs> How much time do you spend playing your instrument? Are you uh, when you're in this program? Are you yeah. focused entirely on your yeah, studies? Yeah, I am. I uh, I really wish I could play classical guitar again, but I haven't played since uh, at least six months. I haven't even touched it. Wow. Yeah, because I end up yeah. Especially now in this in the second term, uh, I'm just too invested in the composition, and I'm you know you work I know anywhere from two to eight hours a day on mm. on composition, and when you're not sitting at the desk actually writing, you're thinking about it, and it's uh, especially with a piece this big, it it's sort of over overwhelming. You don't really have time for anything else musical <laughs> right <laughs> uh-huh. yeah yeah but I, I would love to play and uh, uh, I have I played uh, I actually played in um, someone's piece recently it was electric guitar um, but uh, a, a graduate of here a couple of years ago a guy named Daniel Brandis he runs a concert series here in Victorian um, James Bay and uh, I played in one of his concerts, electric guitar, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I did get to play a little bit of electric guitar, but yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I, I don't have much time for my, for mm-hmm. anything else, mm-hmm. especially with this big project. Yeah. Um, so once it's done, and once you finish uh, your masters, do you have plans already? Or are you mm-hmm. just focused on finishing? Yeah. Uh, f- Right this minute, I'm just focused on finishing, but I do have ideas of what I want to do. Um, well, I definitely want to at least apply for a PhD program. Hmm. Um, what does that mean in composition music? It's the same sort of thing, uh, except on a larger scale. Hmm. And so what will happen often, again, PhD programs are difficult because especially in composition, they can change from university to university, Hmm. like very drastically. But in general, what that means, or what I would be interested in, is you're doing a full thesis um, as well as a major piece. So your thesis will deal with the piece, but it'll also deal with, you know, other, an other aspect of research that you've been doing um, through your PhD that's sort of almost purely academic, I would mm. say, yeah. um, that might some find some uh, s- some rev- relevance in your final piece, but will be in you know much more fleshed out in a larger form thesis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also wanted to uh, go to Europe at some point, which is a you know, uh, Germany has an exceptionally good music, modern classical music scene, and there's just uh, a lot of opportunities there for for new classical musicians to sort of establish themselves or at least cut their teeth there. And yeah. you know, um, so that's definitely the those two things are within my near future. Um, yeah. What kind of music do you listen to? Do you listen to the the stuff that you the field that you work in, or do you listen to other yeah. stuff as well? well? I listen to everything. I, I know that's a cliche to say, but I <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I do listen to a lot of modern classical music, mostly because it's sort of my job to as 
you know, when, when I finish my master's, I have to do defense mm -hmm. and I have to, you know, be able to talk at some length about the place that my piece holds in relation to, you know, the music of the last hundred years mm. and be able to point at other examples of, you know, similar pieces or where I was saw, you know, relevance or uh, parallels to my own work and other pieces. So that's, uh, I do enjoy it. I don't think I would be here if I didn't enjoy listening to that music. And um, But I, I listen to, and lots of other things, uh, I've lis uh, been listening to a lot of electronic artists recently, but I also, you know, listen to the Spice Girls, so. <laughs> <laughs> Have the Spice Girls influenced you in any way? No, uh, no. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. Yeah. There is one, actually, there was one piece I wrote, a string quartet, and I took the, I can't remember the song. It was some R&B song, like a top, 40 R&B song um, and I took the rhythm from it oh yeah okay. and I just it was basically the song verbatim rhythm wise but I I had pitches and it sounded you know it's <laughs> it ended up sounding something like uh, the theme from Psycho you know like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah but it was really funny because I'm listening to this and everyone's going oh this is this is really intense and I'm laughing because all I can hear is this <laughs> really kitschy R&B song you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> it must be fun uh, it must be nice to be able to have fun with uh, yeah with your craft yeah, sometimes yeah, at least yeah yeah that's that's the great thing about uh composition too is you know when you get a good enough good enough audience and the the school of music here is great you can you can throw in jokes into your pieces and you know you're pretty much guaranteed someone's going to pick it pick it up mm -hmm. and uh, that's something I, I love to do maybe not so obvious as having a you know an r&b song but just just something kind of quirky or strange you can mm -hmm. throw in there and keep things interesting you know are the other people in your program also composing um, the same type of music as you? Or are they doing other types yeah, of music? Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of uh, it's hard to generalize about what's going on in contemporary classical music. I th I suppose to someone who's not used to hearing this sort of thing, it would all sound the same, mm -hmm. or you know, varying degrees of very strange you know right <laughs> from strange to way very strange but they are uh, everyone has very different ideas uh, and very interesting ideas about what what they want to do with their pieces what ideas they're conveying hmm. I suppose it's the same thing with you know uh, modern visual artists you know if an undiscerning viewer can go into a gallery and just just think it all looks the same, mm -hmm. but those people are conveying very specific ideas in very specific ways, and it's just become so nuanced and so uh, almost personal the way people do it that it's uh, it's hard it's hard for someone on the outside to um, uh, w without that historical understanding or you know. Uh, a little footnote at the bottom to but I think uh, having said that even so there's 
there's always something if if you listen carefully enough and if you look carefully enough carefully enough regardless of your education or uh or how familiar you are with it you will find something unique in there Hmm. if if it's if that composer or that artist is worth looking at closely you will always find something unique about them and i've especially at uh, the school of music here you find that in a lot of the composers Hmm. Uh, we sort of touched on that about what people take away from different pieces like different audiences will take different things away is there any one thing that you want people to take away from listening to your pieces Mm -hmm. my composition teacher actually had a great answer to this and he he this is something we think about a lot yes Mm -hmm. what will people take away from this and uh he he said you know merely that they will have had an experience whether that experience will be negative or positive is sort of up to them but that you know the worst thing for a piece of music is for it to be you know given an average rating for someone to you know for someone to give it a five out of ten a five out of ten is worse than a one out of ten because a one out of ten means that they it they had an opinion about it and it you know it triggered something in them it made them have an experience mm-hmm. whether that experience is terrible and they're giving you you know one star out of ten or whatever but I think that's that's the most I like that answer that you know you want to give some give them something to remember give them something to kind of sit up in their seats and that's you know, you can have certain goals for certain pieces about how, you you know, you might want the audience to hear this or that. But in general, I think that's that would be my answer, too. Hmm. Um, we are all out of time. I yeah. want to thank you, though, for coming in and being yeah. my guest today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And if people, uh, is it open to the public if somebody wants to see your yes. final performance? Yes, um, if you go on the UVic School of Music website, there's a calendar of events somewhere on there. And they list all the concerts. You should come see as many concerts as you can. Most of the time, I think they're free for UVic students. And uh, we have a large range of ensembles, large range of composers. Um, Yeah, come see them all. My final piece will be performed on March 16th in the School of Music, the Philip T. Young Recital Hall. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV.